the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Now, 1 million subscribers deep, if you haven't seen that today on the socials. 1 million athletic subscribers. Such a huge newsroom. All the biggest uh, analysts, journalists, long-form, short-form podcasts. It's the one place to be. One-stop shop for sports content now and growing exponentially by the day. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription. And Dynasty Owner, still time. A couple hours left here to get your fantasy league going. Plenty of changes, late changes here, extensions. Uh, if you run a salary cap fantasy league, it's been a rough two, two to three weeks here with uh, plenty of changes. So uh, hopefully you're adjusting accordingly. Visit DynastyOwner.com. Tell them Track sent you. Get your bonus when you register. We're going to bring in Scott Allen here on the Hip Raid Hotline. Talk a little bit about the upcoming 2020 season. It's here. Knock on wood. It's going to happen. We've got some numbers, some facts, some figures. And then Paige Demakos from the Draft Network, COO from the Draft Network. She is all over the place. Tons of podcasts, tons of interviews, running the show over there. That Draft Network system has become huge over the past two years. And with the season without college football, uh, their scouting reports are going to become like gold to a lot of people, including the NFL teams themselves. They've got it all figured out for 2021 already and a mock draft machine where you can basically run an entire <laughs> draft, trades, you know, moves, upgrades, whatever you need for the 2021 draft, NFL draft as the GM. Go register, become a premium member. They made a ton of upgrades just this past week to that mock draft machine. So we're going to have Paige on the show talk a little bit about the business of football, the, the upcoming draft, the upcoming season, and of course, her beloved Chicago Bears as well. <laughs> You've heard me talk about them before on this show. Okay. Today, we're sponsored by Hit Parade. DACardworld.com gets you trading cards, memorabilia, fantasy stuff. The works. It's, it's an outstanding online website and resource for any of your, uh, your memorabilia needs. And they've got a product called Hit Parade, which is a mystery memorabilia box. Pay a couple bucks. Give yourself a chance to open up a box of gigantic autographed memorabilia. Tom Brady, Zion Williamson, Mike Trout, all the big names. If you follow these guys on social media, they are giving away ridiculous memorabilia every single day. I saw an upcoming rookie NFL autograph trading card set just got opened up. I mentioned last time Peyton Manning's mini helmet. It's not just the new stuff. It's a lot of old, really valuable stuff getting opened up out of these hip parade boxes. Visit dacarbo.com. Get yourself a hip parade box today. All right. Joining us today on the Hip Parade Hotline, Scott Allen. Scott, welcome back to the show. We've got some numbers here, all right? I nerded up this document pretty good, so we can kind of bounce around as you want. Where would you like to start? Yeah, let's start with the division winners wild card that you got here. Um, yeah, so this falls is let, off. Yeah, let, let me preface this a little bit because this is kind of an interesting conversation we have before every season. You know, you've, you've got your, what is it, 12? Yeah, 12 teams that make the playoffs. And on average, two to three of them don't make the playoffs the next year. So that's the easy, right. that's a simple question. You tell me, which 2019 playoff team isn't going to make the cut? You start with one, then I'll give you one. Packers. Okay. Softball. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go Titans. Is there oh, a third? Okay. Is there a third? Uh, I, 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 think I have Patriots not making it. Oh, my goodness. I wasn't going to go there. Okay. I have Titans winning the division. Okay. Okay. Um, I got to tell you, I can get six teams out pretty easily. I can get the Vikings out. Yeah, I can probably get the 49ers out too. And, and I can get the Bills out. If Josh Allen regresses, 
that entire mm-hmm. team goes with him. If you've got a quarterback question mark, I, you're not solidified anywhere in my opinion. So, so that entire team relies on him at least maintaining stability, and, and and that means running the ball. So if teams take away his ability to run, can he pass the Bills into the postseason? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, so question marks are Packers, Texans. Did we say Texans? Do you like the Texans? No. Packers. Yeah, I do. I have that. I have them as wild card team. Okay, Packers, Patriots. Bills, Titans, Vikings, all at least question marks in our opinion. So let's say for sure two of them are falling out. You think Packers and Patriots, those are your, those are your, your locked in stone guarantees? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We'll move on. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I'll say I think Pittsburgh will get into the playoffs. I think Big Ben being back, I think he's got a, a shot at getting that team back into the playoffs there. And then um, I have Arizona and Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay, everyone's picking them, but I think Arizona, I think they're going to have a chance at that uh, wild card. Okay. So I'm looking at the list of NFL extensions <laughs> that happened this offseason. Uh, it's a big one. It's, you know, 91 players, over $3 billion of total value, more than half guaranteed. 56% of that guaranteed. Um, how far down this list do I have to go before I don't get to a playoff contender? Is it Joey Bosa? Are the Chargers definitely out? Mm, yeah, I think so. I think this year they are. Is Cleveland in? Oof, I do not have Cleveland in. Okay. Mm. This is what worries me. This is what worries me. You're making these investments, and I understand. I love the player, but is your team ready? You know, and maybe they don't have to be ready this year, but are they ready in the next two years? Cleveland should be ready, but you're right. I think a lot of people have them out right now. The Rams are fringe, right? Jalen Ramsey's contract Uh, (laughs) today. The Rams are fringe. Yeah, I was just going to say they're they're the next team that is probably it really depends on if Jared Goff shows up. But even so, that team, um, the Chargers handed out two hundred and fifteen million dollars to Bosa and Keenan Allen. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. You know, and, and 49ers with Armstead there as well. Yeah. And then Kittle. And Kittle. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some money being hashed out here for sure. So, you know, it's not I'm not blaming teams for handing out these extensions. I'm just saying, you know, we have this conversation every year, Scott, where we start to look at the top players at each position financially. And there's a reason it doesn't go well. Either you're paying somebody because the rest of your team is dirt cheap or not not capable of getting that money uh, or you feel like you, your, your hand is being forced and you have to continue to pay somebody to keep the, the, the core intact, which that's the Rams story for the last five seasons. And Jalen Ramsey and, and what they acquired to bring him in is kind of the last piece of that puzzle, unfortunately. I mean, everybody else outside of Cooper Cup has now been paid. And I'm guessing Cooper Cup's contract gets done Friday morning. That's my guess. Friday. By Friday, we'll know exactly what Cooper Cup's worth, probably $18 million a year. So I don't know. I mean... <laughs> You know, a lot of these well, contenders we just talked about, they do have high paid players here. Of course, the Chiefs are here. Of course, the Bills are here. You know, Kirk Cousins got redone. Laramie Tunzel and, and Deshaun Watson, you know, just one of a couple of major extensions in, in Houston. If, if you include the free agent signings they made, I, I get it. Look, I put a, I put a, you know, a tweet storm out today of, of really numbers and facts and figures. More than half the positions got reset this offseason in terms of the average annual value. More than half. You know, all the major ones, some of the smaller ones, but 
this was not a step back and let's wait and see how the revenue goes for 2021 kind of offseason. This was big time money. Like I said, over $3 billion of extensions handed out. And that's just extensions. That's not free agency. That's not draft contracts. It's just flat out. Let's keep our team intact. So the money's huge. You know, which one of these teams are going to regret it? Which one of these teams are going to be the Rams in, three, in two seasons having to eat up a ton of dead cap to get out of a couple of these contracts? Mm. Chargers seem like the easy one. You know, they a, do, a Keenan Allen injury, if Justin Herbert isn't the quarterback, where are they in two years? You know, are they are they even here? Minnesota could really fall off a cliff here. I'm really worried about that team. They have invested so much in keeping their core intact. So many in- extensions, have. you know, and, and people are saying the Stefan Diggs move was like a, a, a sigh of relief. Well, no, because <laughs> I still look at them from a financial standpoint and they're they're bloated. They're loaded. They're all in. So, you know, if and when they have to extend Delvin Cook in the next six weeks, which I imagine it's going to happen now at this point, that's just one more, you know, push over the mountain in terms of their money. I'm worried that if they don't, if they miss the playoffs, what do you do with that team? What in the world do you do with six, seven extremely high paid players, you know, and, and a brand new Kirk Cousins contract fully guaranteed. Right. So yeah, that I'm, I'm watching that team closely because, you know, it, it's really, really good until it's not. <laughs> and that's a team for me that could be in a real heck of a mess any season next year where the cap is definitely going to drop. So <laughs> You know, how much dead cap are you going to have to take on just to get cap cap right for whatever's coming in 2021? So that's, for me, certainly a team to watch. Everyone mm-hmm. else can at least get out, I think. Yeah, you know, I they agree. Can, they can get out. You can get out of Garoppolo if he, if he continues to, to regress to some degree. You know, Aaron Rodgers can clean up the Packers situation with a couple of these contracts they've made. Houston, they're not going anywhere, unfortunately. I mean, that's just they are who they are for now two, three years. And I'd say the same about Arizona with that Hopkins deal. Any of these extensions for you just stand out as wow or why or what are they doing or not enough money? The thing that catches me is the Chiefs extended three guys. Where are they going to be in a few years? I mean, are they if the cap drops or anything like that, especially when Mahomes' deal really kicks in? Um, what is their financial stake going to be? Are they going to be where the, like the saints have been for the last few years where they just have to keep pushing, pushing, pushing down the road and uh, tons of dead cap, you know, that, that sort of concerns me, but I know they had to do what they had to do. Um, I'm not sure it's maintainable, Scott. You know, I've been, I've been asked this question a lot, especially in Kansas city radio shows. Um, there's a reason Travis Kelsey's deal looks like it does. There's a reason Chris Jones deal looks like it does. There's a reason Tyron Matthews, you know, going to be probably not going to be extended until after next season because they just have to figure out where, where it's all going to be. Uh, you know, this thing is built around Mahomes over the next three seasons. His extension has absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with, with the chief's ability to win or lose right now. It, it is completely, sub- it's almost like it didn't even happen. And I mean that he got a small signing bonus. Everything else is basically neutral for the next two seasons. The cap doesn't jump over 40 until 2023. By that point in time, I think Travis Kelsey's off the roster. I think Tyron Matthews probably off the roster. Chris Jones is going to be a huge question mark at that point in time. He's going to be a a, a bubble player for us on our, on our, our January list. So, you know, you can ask the question, is it going to work? It has to work in the next three seasons, two to three seasons. It has to. Otherwise, what did they just do 
Well, they paid a lot of cash to try to win another Super Bowl. And, and I get that. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, but at that point in time, right, when they do have to blow it up, and it'll be fine if they want another one, what are you doing staring at nine more years of Patrick Mahomes' contract? Nine more years, and you can't get out unless he wants to get out. Right. That, that's terrifying. That is, I, that is something to think about, really. I think if I had to pick one player that is terrifying is it, it could be the Ryan Tannehill deal. Okay. Because if that, if that goes You're right, if they miss. real quick, if they miss, I mean, it's like Nick Foles in, in Jacksonville. Oh, it's they worse. totally missed. It's 91 million, Scott. It's 91 million. You're right. Yeah. That is the scariest two- to three-year contract right if, now. But if Tennessee, if, if he plays and, and he is a hit in Tennessee, then, you know, kudos to them for locking him up. And, you know, they've got Derrick Henry there now. They've got yeah. uh, Brown as a wide receiver. They've got a nice uh, – core starting to set up there Tannehill's really got to play well to uh show that it's it, it was worth that money I'm not sure it'll ever happen because I'm not sure the team runs through him <laughs> you know I, I think we all kind of knew that when Derrick mm-hmm. Henry took over week seven and never looked back I mean we, we all kind of just assumed that that's the kind of team they are it's a it's a it's a system quarterback kind of team where you run the ball to open up the passing game and Tannehill's a, you know, a skilled quarterback. That's why he was drafted where he was drafted, but he's not a put my team on my shoulders kind of quarterback. So why is that worth 91 million guaranteed over three years? It, to me, you're right. That's always going to be the question mark from this offseason. Even if even Mahomes 12 year contract, you know, when we're complaining about that in three years, we're going to be no question. We're going to be even if he's a heck of a player, they're going to be staring at nine years left there. But that's a, that's a great call by you. That is the that is the the most questionable extension of the offseason because of what could happen immediately. I mean, they could really fall off immediately, even with the signing of Clowney and the names you mentioned. All right, let's get into some more of these numbers. Um, let's talk about Super Bowls and contracts a little bit, just a little bit, because this is pretty nerdy stuff. And it's really common knowledge, but it's relevant because we have a situation right now and this is kind of a free agent slash expiring contract slash franchise tag slash Super Bowl conversation all wrapped into one, okay? So let's start with the franchise tag. We know Dak's on it. I assume most people know that that's not common. You know, it's not even close to common. The last time a quarterback played out the franchise tag was Cousins, of course. He did it two years in a row, 16 and 17. Before that, it was Drew Brees as a member of the Chargers, 2005. All three of those years... Uh, no playoffs. None of those quarterbacks made the playoffs in the years they were on the franchise tag. So strike one for Dak, even though all of us think Dak's going to the playoffs and Dallas is going to the playoffs. Okay. Pretty much the same can be said for free agent quarterbacks. Okay. The numbers bear out almost unbelievably shocking that if you're on an expiring contract with the exception of Joe Flacco in 2012, that was by the way, eight years ago when he, he decided he's, he's okay playing out the, his, his contract year in Baltimore. He wins the Super Bowl. He gets $120 million. The rest is history. It just doesn't happen. There's a, there's a few reasons why it doesn't happen. Number one, teams just don't let it happen. They pay the quarterback. Teams just generally pay the quarterback. It doesn't get to this point. Even if you get a franchise tag, there's been eight players franchise tagged as, at the quarterback position. Six of them got extensions, and you know the rest were Kirk Cousins and, and Drew Brees. Um, 
so Dak, excuse me, Dak is the eighth. So there's, there was actually only seven more players. Um, just give me some thoughts here. Am I overthinking it? Are these numbers that, you know, are these stats that really don't matter if your team is good enough? Why did, why is Dak on the franchise tag right now? What does it mean for Dallas? Is Dallas going to the postseason easily? Are they legitimate Super Bowl contenders, even though there hasn't been even a sniff of a quarterback on the franchise tag in the Super Bowl? Not a sniff ever. No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Obviously, the numbers don't lie when you say that. So it's hard to go against that trend. But I, I think he's on the franchise tag because Jerry wants to see one more year. He doesn't want to give that extension. Um, he wants to keep his cards close to his vest to see. You sure? You know, ma- ma- or, or, or is what you're trying to say is he just doesn't like him that much? Not as a person, as a quarterback. Because um, he paid Zeke. He, does, he paid Zeke he like did. today, two years ago. It was this late in the like, game, remember him? But if you didn't like him, why franchise tag him and and allocate that much money into your quarterback when you were able to sign Andy Dalton or you could have had Cam Newton or you could have had any of the other quarterbacks? I mean, you could have thrown Jameis Winston in there. And yeah, he's going to throw interceptions, but... You know, you, you have the wide receiver core that Winston would be able to throw to just like he did in Tampa Bay. So if he didn't like him, then I think he would not be on the team. He, they wouldn't have franchise tagged him. Um, I think he wants to see one more year what he can do, especially now that Amari and Zeke are really you know locked up and you know, Amari is not uh, having, you know, the no. The, extension hovering over the heads there. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if they don't, if it doesn't work out, they move on. If for some reason they're not good at all, uh, he may put a lot into the draft class to see what quarterback he can get in that draft class and move on. Or, you know, we've seen all these quarterbacks move around, uh, this off season, maybe, maybe, Jerry's one that would facilitate a trade. Maybe he would do something where uh, he would go for a quarterback that isn't satisfied in uh, their current space. Now we you have to tag him again Rogers. first, though. You're going to tag him again. You're, you're going to put thirty nine million dollars on a tag where a salary cap's going to be one hundred and eighty. No, you're going to let him walk. You're going to let him walk. You're going to let him walk. And if he does some kind of trade, I mean. I'll, I'll say Rogers' name because he's going to be out there for trades, but I don't foresee him going to Dallas with who <laughs> is the coach there. So that's probably not an option, but you know, we don't see a lot of trades with quarterbacks Never. at all. So um, maybe Jerry has his eyes set on something, but I think he is a wait and see. He's this He's being patient right now, which is not usually how Jerry is. No, no, it isn't. He he pays. He paid Bromo. He he pays skill position players. He pays his offensive line, of course. So why not pay Dak? And and, he, and here's the big question, and it's come up a lot. And you know we're proceeding the season here, and, and this is the to me Dallas is the biggest storyline. I know Brady's in Tampa Bay. I know the Patriots have Cam Newton. You know I know all the other storylines that kind of exist. And you and I have talked about a lot of them. Certainly Rogers. But this one's just kind of hanging there, and it's going to be hanging there all year. There's nothing that can be done unless they trade him at the trade deadline. That ain't going to happen. So, 
So, so this is going to be a year long discussion, excuse me, you know, until the December 31st, we're going to be talking about what's next for DAC. Every single week, we're going to be analyzing DAC's progress towards this next whatever. Does he walk in free agency? Is it a second franchise tag? Does he get that contract? I want to focus on the contract. Let's just assume DAC is DAC. And, and oh, by the way, that's a big part of this. You know, you know, I've seen plenty of, of DAC in front of a microphone on TV, that kind of thing, in, in, on some radio shows to understand that Jerry is probably taking advantage of just how sharp and polished and hardworking this guy is because that's why you don't franchise tag the quarterback. You don't put that position that takes that much pressure and that much, you know, honestly, it's just such a heady position. You don't screw with that. You don't screw with the mentality of a quarterback by putting him on a a nice salary, but a, a completely unknown, a complete unknown going forward. That's why you don't do it. You don't want to screw with the mentality of your quarterback. Dak just seems so darn grounded that I, I don't have a problem with him on this contract right now, this franchise tag. I do think they make the playoffs. I do think he bucks the trend and, and Dallas has the season. We think they're going to have, you know, nine, 10, 11 wins because of that division they're in. But that I'll put that aside. So I do think Jerry's taking advantage of that just a little bit because he is slow playing this. But except here's what's happening. And you know you knew this was going to happen. Everybody in the freaking world knew this was going to happen. The quarterback position went from 35 to 45 in an hour and a half. Okay? In an hour and a half. Now Watson's at 39. Lamar's going to be at 42 and a half sometime next March, in my opinion. It's, it's all just going to blow up right in front of him. So the $105 million, remember he offered $105 million to Dak Prescott? Desha- mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson just got $111 million fully guaranteed from Houston. So the 105 is way gone. It's not even a, it's not even a, a, a thought in, in their mind right now. He's going to make $70 million on two franchise tags. You're going to double that. We're talking $140 million guaranteed for Dak Prescott. That's the going rate to be your Dallas Cowboys quarterback next year. I don't think it happens. I think the world has priced Dak out of Dallas is my point. Now, here's the problem, and this is worth having a good discussion about. What quarterback has changed teams and you thought, oh, man, that really worked out. That was great. Does, Drew Brees. does it even count? It was 2006. Does it even count? How can we count that? Is because Dak, it has worked out. Has, is Dak on that level? Can Dak turn into Drew Brees in the right situation? And what is that situation? Is it the Jets? Who's going to punt on the quarterback next year and sign Dak to $140 million guaranteed? Right. I, that's the leverage Jerry has. So I'm, I'm actually doing a, a, a double take here. Okay, I've just crushed Jerry Jones for eight minutes, but this is where I always get to in this conversation, this point right here. What if, what if he does say, go, walk? Who the hell is going to sign Dak to 140 off the street? I, I can't find a team. You know, I just can't find is San Francisco. Are they going to bail on Garoppolo and do that with Dak? Maybe. And maybe that's the right fit. Maybe that's a good coach for Dak. Mm. So maybe that's the leader, the leader in the clubhouse right now. But other than that, you know, I, I, it's it's just, it's not likely we, we just don't see quarterbacks of his caliber get paid. We just saw Cam Newton get $550,000 and Andy Dalton get 3 million from Dallas. (laughs) <laughs> from Dallas. So that's all the more we talked about it. That's all the more reason for Jerry to just let him walk. Go get 140 yeah. million somewhere else. 
you know, there's a there's a 99% chance it's not going to be as good a situation as what you're leaving right now with this offensive line, with that running back, with these three wide receivers now, I mean, phenomenal wide receivers, you know, go find that somewhere else who will pay you. And if you don't, come on back, I'll give you 110. You know, that's Jerry's leverage mm-hmm. right now. He's got it because it, it just doesn't work. Changing teams just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, you're right, especially where we are now at the rookie scale and these teams are drafting these young players and yeah. they're, for the most part, working It's working, working. Out. It's working. I yes. Mean, look, look at these extensions. I mean, Would Mahomes, you rather have Kyler Boston. Murray or Dak Prescott right now, Scott? Uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Dak was a, a mid-round pick, you know? I, Especially with the situation they're in. I mean, it sounds like they're, they're putting the right things around him. And, um, and again, like you said, it... it it might have to be a certain fit. It may be that Dak has to come out and say, uh, I want to be traded. Not that he can be right now. Um, but he can be, you're right. It's going to be, it's going to be hard for him to find a team. That's going to want to one up the, the, the one up is you're getting an extension from a team that you've been drafted by. And in this case, the team that he's been drafted by, um, doesn't want to they got him up. by the balls, Scott, is, is what I want to say without saying it. They got him by the balls right now. I don't know what Dak does. I, I feel terrible for him. I sure hope he gets the 140. And, and and this conversation is moot, and Dallas is 12 and whatever, right? And this just goes on as it is because that team is ready to win. And Dak's a hell of a quarterback. And if Jerry is really just slow playing this thing because he knows he's got him by it, you know, then that's bad business. But yeah, that's what, how powerful the quarterback position is in a system, in your system, when you have grown up in this and they've built around you. Go, you can't go somewhere. You can't just drop a quarterback in and make it work. Now, having said that, bringing in Andy Dalton on a $3 million contract to learn this system might be the smartest move nobody's talking about. Because if Andy Dalton is the 2021 starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and I think there's like a 25% chance he is, it could work. It, it, it should work. It should work. Andy Dalton's never had those kind of weapons. He just hasn't. No. And you give him a year to figure it out from the practice, you know, from the sidelines, it, it really could work. So all of these things together mean Dak probably doesn't, doesn't have the leverage. The only leverage he has is all these other quarterbacks getting paid. And, you yeah. know, that's all you can hang your head on. Yeah, he he really needs to pull a Joe Flacco this year. He's got to win. He needs to win it all and say, "All right, I just Good for you. You rounded us back into into the conversation. This is a Super Bowl conversation. That's the point of this conversation. It doesn't happen. It's never happened. It, it's so unlikely, right? Flacco's the last to do it on an expiring contract, but no one's done it on a franchise tag. It's got to happen. He's got to win the whole damn thing, Scott. And that's he how does. he gets his 150 million, right? <laughs> Yeah, All yeah, right. it's it's got to happen. Let's talk ageism. <laughs> um, the oldest teams. I love doing this kind of stuff. I love that we track all this kind of uh, of ancillary data that we can pull up whenever we need to. But this time of year, it's kind of important. You, you, look, it's twenty. This twenty twenty is not like any other year. Continuity and veteran experience is going to matter more this year than I think any other year. Uh, especially when we're talking about the locker room situation, controlling. You know bad habits and things like that. You're going to have to keep it all intact this year. It's going to have to be a really well-run ship from an individual team standpoint. Here's your three oldest teams in football right now in terms of average age in the 53-man roster. The Saints, the Bears, and your Tennessee Titans, Scott. Hmm. Interesting. Fine. 
playoff teams? <laughs> Saints, yes. Titans, yes. Bucks, yes. Um, Lions and Bears are probably about the same team right now. Yeah. Right? Competing for that second spot in, in the NFC. Oh, third spot in Minnesota, right? Are all three of those teams? You know, if, if Stafford is healthy and he can play, I, I agree. Mean, they, they do. They have some weapons on that team. I, I, I contemplated having them win the division over Minnesota um, yeah. because I think if, if, if all the things fall in the right place for that team, uh, it's a similar situation with Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know where they landed for oldest age on that team, but, you know, Big Ben coming back from the injury, things could work out right. Those teams have the chance because those those quarterbacks are big. They're hard to bring down. Yep. Um, I, I don't like the Bears there. I don't I don't think they're even going to get a sniff at the playoffs. OK, good enough. I want to move to continuity. What I mean by continuity, of course, is, you know, the coaching staffs. Did they come back from 2019? Did the team, did the roster come back in terms of the starting offense, starting defense, all those things just as a whole? Uh, Josh Edwards from the NFL Network did an awesome piece on this. Or excuse me, CBS, CBS Sports. Jeez, misquoting these guys here. Josh Edwards from CBS Sports did an entire preseason rankings of continuity. And it was well thought out, really well done from an analytical standpoint. He brought in a lot of factors. And here are your four most, I, I don't know, consistent, I guess, teams from last year in terms of the coaching and the players. Steelers are number one. Steelers got the highest continuity grade in the entire league. And second is the Saints. And I got to tell you something, Scott. I just read this article about an hour ago. And yesterday when I put the show together, that's my Super Bowl pick, man. That was my Super Bowl pick coming into this show. I'm picking Steelers Saints for the Super Bowl this year. So cat's out of the bag on that one. I think the Steelers have an have a extremely tall wall to get over. In Ben's injury, in Connor and Juju you know, where they kind of dropped down to earth last year from an injury and, and a production standpoint. They have a huge ceiling to get back up to, though. I love the love the tight ends. I think the defense has really come together. We talked about this on the last show a little bit. Um, and the Saints just feel ready. They've been screwed out of the playoffs a couple of times, right? Two years in a row here. <laughs> yes, they have. It just feels like they're right there ready. And, and if Green Bay is going to drop off like you think they are, then that should be the Saints move. And if San Francisco takes a step back, which I think a lot of people expect them to, right? They, they're still going to be contenders, I think, but they're going to take a step back from reality from where they were last year. It should be New Orleans game to win in the NFC. I know Tampa's on a lot, on a lot of lists, but this year specifically, I, I, have, I have trouble with teams that don't have continuity. And the Buccaneers are bottom five, of course. I mean, they redid their mm -hmm. entire team here, right? So yeah. I, I struggle with, with Tampa Bay getting it done this year specifically. Maybe in year two, just like Peyton did with Denver, right? But, you know, we'll see what happens with that team. Of course, they're intriguing. Of course, they're must-see football. But I'm putting the pedigree of Sean Payton and Drew Brees and the moves they've made in New Orleans on an annual basis. They continue to be right there knocking at the door. I think they get over the hump this year, and I think they're playing the Steelers. And I'm basing a lot of it on... Uh, you know, continuity. I was happy to find this article and these rankings from Josh Edwards because they're really in tune with how I thought about the 2020 season. Do you know if he's done this in the past? Because I'm curious to see if the continuity that he, if he did it last year, if it translates to teams that make the playoffs or not. 
it, here's what he said. He did his rankings. He put them aside. He posted them. And then a day or two later, the over-unders were, were, were given out by Vegas, right? They brought out the win total, the win total over-under win totals. His list was almost dead on with how the, the, the over-under win totals were ranked from Vegas. In other words, wow. there's a large part of what Vegas does that thinks this way as well. Who's been there before? You know, who's mm-hmm. got some stability? How much does coaching matter? Coaching clearly matters. It clearly matters because Mike Tomlin, Doug Peterson, Sean Payton, and, and uh, Kyle Shanahan are at the top of the continuity list right now in terms of the grading, and then it's Pete Carroll. So you, I get it. I think a lot of people are probably sleeping on the Seattle as well, sit number five on this continuity that, list. That's... Is that your pick? Go ahead. Is it? Is, are you yeah. going KC yeah, my, Seattle? No, I'm going Baltimore Seattle. All right, fair enough. I think they're one one A at this point in the AFC. Okay, I like it. Baltimore's a little bit more down this list because they gutted their defense. They just decided yeah, not to pay their defense, and of course, they let Earl Thomas walk. So there's a lot of question marks in terms of what you know the stability that they might have lost on the defensive side of the ball. But they're going to score so many points, it might not matter. Uh, I, I'll give you that one for sure. What else? What are you thinking in terms of the season? Should we talk MVP here? I got some odds for you there. What do you think? I'm guessing you're yeah. going with Lamar to repeat that. <laughs> no, actually, no. How can you not? not? You can get him as an underdog. Well, I actually have your Saints, uh, Drew Brees, because of wow. the money. I mean, wow. he's at like plus 2,500 right now. Okay. So I, I, I like those odds. Um, and then. That's fair. Uh, I mean, Wilson, plus 1,200. Uh since I have Seattle, I, I, I would go with that with either one of them. Okay. All right. Let's talk divisions. Go ahead. Hit me with it. Who am I betting? Who, what's my what's my division winner parlay this year? I like to pick two or three teams and, and link them together for division winners. What am I doing this year? Am I, am I staying away from that NFC North? Mm. Seems like everybody's neck and neck. Yeah, they do. The money's probably I, on Detroit, I mean, though, right? To, to, to be honest, that the NFC South could be yeah. <laughs> pretty neck and neck, too, if the Atlanta Falcons want to show up. Well, I've been, I've been I mean, drafting Matt Ryan in a lot of leagues here. So you got three teams possibly there. Um, Peter King picked hmm. the Dolphins. I'm guessing you're not. I I had, you know, I, I, I looked at the Bills. I want to pick them. Because I think they're gonna they're gonna rise up, but Miami is right there. I looked at the schedules for the AFC East. It is a absolute slugfest. Yeah. It, I will not be surprised if one of the teams that comes out is eight, eight and eight. eight, eight and eight totally. Because, yeah, because they're they're playing uh, a gambit of teams that you know, it, depending on injuries mm-hmm. and depending on uh, an official call. It could go one way or another for for anyone in that division. Do we continue our DAC conversation and take one of those NFC East sleepers to t- overtake Dallas for the division? Mm, um, I mean, the only <laughs> other one, the only other one would be Philly. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't put any money on the Giants or Washington football team uh, showing up and winning that division. Um, Okay. Yeah. I, I I would take Detroit at plus four fifty. Th- that's enough to start my parlay. And you know, I picked the Saints. I, I know a lot of people are picking Tampa. They're basically neck and neck in terms of their of their, of their Vegas odds. But Atlanta's a thousand to one. Atlanta's ten to one right now. 
plus 1,000. That's good money. <laughs> that's it good is. money. It, but that's if uh, <laughs> Atlanta wants to show up. Yeah, they, I mean, they need some defensive we've, help we've for seen, sure. We've seen what has happened to that team in the long in the long run. They can start off well and then uh, struggle at the end there. So, okay. uh, yeah. It's a I, tough year. I mean, there's so many anomalies. There's so many... Uh, yeah, the divisional battles got a lot better. I mean, and Tom Brady leaving the AFC East really shook up kind of the rest of this league to some degree. And certainly that NFC, uh, I mean, that West is just ridiculous. If bo- Honestly, both the divisions out there. I, I don't know how you pick anything. I'm, people are going to pick the Chargers because of that defense, even without Derwin James. I get it. I understand. And the Seattle conversation, people are going to pick Arizona as a sleeper out there. I'm sure you've got them on a short list, maybe even to sneak in as a wild card, correct? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I that seems to be the going rate. So, um, boy, I don't know. I really just don't know. It's it's a it's an awful year to bet, in my opinion. Hopefully, these games don't get postponed and canceled and make it as hard as it's been for baseball, at least to start that baseball season. But it's here. The NFL kickoff is here. Yeah. Who do you got tonight, sir? Um, I'm going KC. Yeah, I'm going. KC. Are you down on Houston? I, a lot of people are really starting to get down on Houston. I got to see them play. I, I really do. With the additions that they have, I, I, I love Watson and what he brings to that team. Uh, well, Brandon Cooks is already hurt. Big, big surprise there. Will Fuller yeah. should be hurt by the second quarter. <laughs> yes, so, he should. So, Maybe by warm-up. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. I, I like the kid. David but Johnson. Man, could be in the same boat. Yeah. Could be in the same who, boat. So, who, who, who would you have for um, rookie of the year? What do you think on that one? I'm going to give I've you got two written down. I'm is, I mean, Burrow's the easy one. Bur- Burrow's the, he is. he's the easy one because the quarterback and, and he's got weapons. He can play some ball with. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be as impactful enough to get the votes. You know what I mean? Like, is he going to draw enough attention? We talked about this team last week, Scott. They're in the middle of the cap spending. They spent a lot this off season, made the most of anybody this off season. They made a huge <laughs> trade. They brought in a quarterback who I don't like. And because I don't like the quarterback, I'm picking the running back. I think Jonathan Taylor is the rookie of the year. Oh, interesting. Because if the Colts okay. are going to win games, it's probably going to have to run through him. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's not who I had. Hit me. I had two. I had two. I had uh, Tua because I think okay. Fitz, Fitz magic, his magic runs out pretty quick. So yeah. he may be there in a couple games starting and then Tua is going to show up. He and, will have an impact. He, he'll be one of those will. players we, we right. watch. Often, you know, yep. Burrow might be going then, 303, but two is going to have it with flair, right? Yeah. And Tua is at plus 1400 right now. Nice. So I went with him and then a super sleeper because he, with the absence of digs, I'm going with Jefferson in oh. Minnesota because, you know, Kurt needs a second person to throw to. I, I Wide receivers aren't going to necessarily win that rookie of the year, yeah. uh, but I, I as a yeah, super a, sleeper, that's a dark, plus, dark horse. <laughs> oh, it is plus 20 plus 2200. Yeah. But I, I like him on that team to at least rise up and give cousins a, uh, a, a weapon to throw to. And especially in the absence of digs, you've got deal in there. So, you know, that's, he could be that number two wide receiver. All right. Uh, let's so get it on the record. You've got Seattle, Baltimore. I've got yep. the saints and the Steelers. Four okay. different teams. Certain, who, who you certain to, to be wrong. To win it, I got to see it first. Yeah. Just let me get him there, would you? I'm not picking the winner yet. 
you, right. know, you know what? You know what's interesting is, and we talked about back with the quarterbacks. I, I really looked at our spreadsheet that we have of the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl yeah. and their cap percentage, and I had a hard time picking S- Seattle because I know, you know, the the trend, the numbers go against Wilson's cap being. I mean, it's like almost sixteen yeah. percent. So I really had a hard time picking them. But when I when I really thought about it. I had to go with him. And then Baltimore with uh, Lamar, I mean, his cap is going to be so low that he's, it's going to be like when Mahomes won last year. So, um, yeah, and that but, might, it might become a trend. You know, that might be something we start to see now. You're three, you're, you're two, you're three. Are these rookie quarterbacks that advanced now that they can step into this and take it all the way? Right. Uh, and for those that are, are listening, I mean, the highest winner was at 12.4%, which was Tom Brady in 2018. Yep. So that was the highest cap uh, percent of the league max. Mm-hmm. And then the loser, the highest loser was Peyton Manning back in 2009 at 18.9%. So we, we, we don't see large percentage of caps, you know, making and winning that Super Bowl. So... Um, so my big pen, my big pen pick is not a good one, but my breeze one is pretty much right in line. Yes. Okay. We'll see. So maybe the Steelers are wrong, but could be a saints year. I think it is a saints year. Boy, saints Colts would fit our, fit our model completely. Right. And if, and if Dak goes through and wins it all, then he really bucks the trend because he's got the highest, uh, that's the one to watch. That's the guy who's got to win the super bowl. Dak's got to win the super bowl. So let's root for that too. He's a good guy. Thrilled to be joined on the Hip Raid Hotline by the COO of the Draft Network. If you haven't checked out the Draft Network, by the way, please do it. We'll be talking about it plenty here. Paige Demakos. Paige, thanks for joining the show. How are things? Things are pretty good, Mike, because uh, football is kicking off this week. So I, I feel like I've been asked this question a lot lately. Uh, I feel like everybody's checking in on everybody, which is a good thing, but <laughs> Seems it seems like there's a little pep in the step back back this weekend. That's because the NFL is is happening and uh, feels feels good to have gotten to this point. Are you are you a positive person by nature? Like, a, did you kind of keep hope alive this whole time, or was there a, a jump off the cliff point for you at any point during this summer? So I am a positive person by nature, but when you run the company, you've got so many people <laughs> that you're talking to that I was like kind of the pseudo therapist for all, all of this time, right? Because the last time we were all together at the draft network, we were in Indianapolis at the combine, right? So we're all together. We're there. We're in a nice bubble for 10 days. You know, that word bubble is being thrown around. So I'm going to use it too. We were in a bubble for 10 days where all we listened, cared about, you know, watched and read about was football. And then I kind of got home. I flew home to Scottsdale right at the beginning of March. And it was like, oh, okay, uh, the world is not in the place it was when I left. And it happened so fast, right? So all of our draft plans changed and everything everything has been, the best way I can describe it is if I, I got on a roller coaster and I was so excited at the beginning and I haven't been able to get off, right? <laughs> it's just, it's every day, I'm bu- it's like, okay, is this going to end? Right. And, and so right now we're at like the, you know, the drop point where you're really excited, but we're, you know, a couple of times it was feeling like we're upside down about to fall over. So it's different every day, but this week, especially just what it took to get here. Um, it, it feels 
feels like a a, a sense of relief to have gotten oh, to this don't point. jinx it um, don't you jinx yeah, it just, <laughs> i know i just it's just honestly just getting to training camp right that was a big deal um just getting to the training camp point was was a massive deal getting the players in agreement with owners and coaches and everything i mean that was a big hurdle so just just feels good to to have talked betting lines about a football game that matters and and that's that's kind of where I am today yeah there's no question uh, while we're at it you know you mentioned the combine that led into the draft of course tell us about the draft network tell us you know the 30 second business speech about how you got to where you got and and what's new I mean you guys have been cranking away I would imagine bittersweet times this summer where you know things were kind of locked away but that always leads to more work doesn't it yeah, I think the the approach that we took um, as a company was we're going to go full steam ahead, yeah. and and because we can control only what we can control, right? And and we are going to do really good work, and we're going to scout players, and we're going to tell NFL fans who they should be paying attention to, with or without college football. So that was kind of our our, our big hurdle initially as a company was we need to prepare for no college football and any college football we get is a bonus. That's kind of, that's, that's how we approach the season. So at the midway point of July, we dropped 450 scouting reports on the drop on the DraftNetwork.com to just kind of set the tone of like, Hey, we scouted all these players and, and we're ready for the season. And we, we watched their 2019 film. And if that's all we get, this is what we have. Right. And, and wanted to kind of set the tone so that we could, we could switch it up and have the scouting department kind of take a look at all the NFL teams and look at the rookies and, and switch their emphasis because there's just a lot more variables when it comes to college football and getting stuff done versus the NFL, as we well know. So I always felt more comfortable with the NFL happening versus college football. And that's, that's kind of how we approached the summer as a company. And we've had, you know, we have a, a really nice partnership happening with Panini right now that we're really excited about and bet online and in the sports gambling space. So it's been a really positive summer all things considered and i think that's i'm very happy to deliver that message as the leader of the draft network that things are in a really really good spot and that we've you know added some amazing features to our mock draft machine that have given our premium members you know the ability to be even more so act like a gm um and it's fun it's exciting and 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 i really I know it's a weird time to deliver positive news but <laughs> it's just kind of, it's you know i feel like people need it and and i'm i'm happy to deliver it because we i've been really proud of the team staying focused in a time where it's been really hard to stay focused with everything that's going on in the country and and they've done an excellent job yeah but i think your approach is outstanding because you're right i mean i mean we're here there's going to be limited to no college football who knows what's really going to happen here in the next six weeks but uh you know, the, the reliance on scouting reports, whether they're an online version, whether they're, you know, somebody's notepad is going to be more powerful than ever this coming draft. This draft is going to be one like we've never had before because, I, well, yeah. or, or maybe one like we used to have in the 80s, right? I mean, just because, <laughs> I guess I don't know how to say that, but you're right. I think that's exactly the approach to take is let's just pretend like college football doesn't exist this year and assess what we know and, and do as much work on that as possible. I imagine that's what every single NFL team is doing as well. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And it's amazing how many people that I know in the NFL have already reached out personnel wise and said, it's really awesome to see what you guys are doing and what you have. Right. Thanks for doing that because they kind of set the tone. It's like, Hey, uh, 
it's really nice what you got going on over there. And it started to happen. This was my second combine with TDN this past year. And I had more NFL personnel kind of coming up to me. Hey, it's really nice to see you guys covering a lot of these schools that, you know, maybe we don't get to start to see guys earlier on the radar, pay attention. I mean, we've got two former NFL scouts on our staff. We've got three guys who played collegiate football. I mean, I'm really proud of the, of the staff that we've put together. That's our new kind of like scouting department and, and they've done an excellent job. So they, they really took this as a challenge this summer to say, we need to put the focus on even more, right? Because we might not get 2020 tape. So we have to be sure we have to, they had scouting meetings every day where they battled uh, one guy liked something he saw on the tape. The other guy didn't like it. Right. So they, they really battled for their guys. And I enjoyed the meetings where I popped in and was hearing, you know, the, I'm going to pound the table for this guy to be in our top 32 versus uh, no, he doesn't belong. Right. And that that's been really exciting to watch because some of these guys, we aren't going to get, you know, more, more film on. We've had a couple of guys in our top 10 that aren't going to play this season with or without their conference playing. And I think that's their prerogative and, and watching them work out in shorts at Expos is not the same as watching them play football. It's just not. Hmm. You talk to any football coach that is a coach and they are going to tell you that they, they like seeing the combine. They like watching guys work out and there's certain things that can move the needle. But there's not much more that you can learn than you have to watch the tape. You have to know what they can do on the football field because running in a straight line is not running routes. And, and there, is, there is a significant difference in, in how that translates. And so the 2019 tape was very important and, and we adjusted accordingly. I get asked this question a lot and, you know, I answer it to the best of my knowledge from, from the people I've spoken to as well. I imagine you, you get this in front of your plate as well where is the, the NFL right now in terms of business? <laughs> you know, it, I, I know what we're expecting for 2021 is to, in terms of revenue and salary cap, but you know, the NFL has been somewhat forthcoming with that. Are you concerned at all about a bounce back about how long that might, might take, you, you know, will drafts be impacted now for a couple of, a couple of years, or is this just, just a one and done unique situation? Will there be long-term changes that have, have come out of, what teams have had to adjust to this year. You know what I mean? Like is yeah. the business of football stable? Uh, is this just going to be, let's just pause and then we'll get back to normalcy after that. Where do you think it all kind of hashes out in 2022, for instance? So I'm really confident in the NFL as a business because of the many conversations that I've had behind the scenes. And I think the best example I can give is, you know, we're not going to allow Jersey swaps right? We're not going to allow Jersey swaps post game. And now all of a sudden this week news comes out that we're going to allow Jersey swaps. And of course I go, okay, why, what changed here? And I go, okay, usually follow the money in every situation in your life. You should always look for where the trail of the dollar sign is going. And very quickly after I saw that announcement, I saw the tide was the new sponsor <laughs> of the Jersey swaps that are happening post game. Let me tell you something about the NFL people who are listening to this podcast. They will find a way to make money in different ways because that's what the NFL does. It's a factory for dollar signs, and they're going to figure out how to manufacture this in some capacity. And luckily for them, they were in the part of their season where they could watch the other three major leagues start before them and figure things out and see what worked and see what didn't and see what moves the needle and what 
what are brands liking and what are brands not? And quite frankly, Mike, the thing that I found most interesting is that I feel like it's forced brands to be more aware of how to engage with fans because it's it's forcing people to be more creative in the way that they're connecting with people, right? And how these sponsorships are going to happen and and how the integration is going to happen. I mean, the Bud Light stuff that's already happening, that they're going to come you know, basically have bring the tailgate to you and home gating is something that 138 million Americans said they're interested in. I mean, this could arguably become a, a way where they find a way to make more money because they they continue down this path with all of these off field experiences, these virtual experiences, and then they're allowed to have next year of all the fans back i think there's a way in which this forces some creativity with with the way that they do marketing the way they do sponsorships and i've already seen it and then they are allowed to go back to oh well we can continue to have this revenue stream coming but we're going to also have this one right and i think it's 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 very i've been watching this very closely and there was a while where i was a little bit more concerned and then i started to see brands get really creative and, and quite frankly, I've been very impressed with the way that they're they're doing things to engage with fans. Um, and and I think it that's that's not going to go away. I think those things will stick and they will continue to be opportunities for revenue for the NFL for a long time. If they could find a way to uh, sponsor the protests, they'd do it. You know it. <laughs> no, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. If there's an opportunity for money, they're going to figure it out, Mike. Uh, number one, I, I love the idea of them making money off the people at home. I think, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I have a feeling that that is going to increase heavily over the next two to three seasons, even more so than it probably has. I mean, the home product has been what it's been all about anyway. You know, the in-game experience has been diminishing for a decade now. Here's where I stand. And, uh, it's, it's bias of course, because of the, <laughs> the work that I do over here. I look at the, ex- the NFL extensions that have happened over the summer here, and I'm looking at $1.7 billion of guaranteed money, $1.7 billion to just the extended players. And, and that makes me think, you know what? I think these guys are going to be just fine <laughs> in the next yeah. two years because that's the, exactly right. I mean, that's, that's they're not exactly slowing down. Right. They're not slowing down a bit. There are players getting money right now that we didn't even think were in contract negotiations at this point. So uh, teams seem to be run, running full speed ahead. I understand that they're probably all preparing as as you at the Draft Network have done for you know uniqueness and, and a little bit of brevity. But uh, look at the, the contracts are pouring in. You're right. The sponsorships are all over the place, especially on the social media chains. And you know, I look at the M- what the NBA has been able to do. I mean, th- that bubble there is absolutely outstanding. The production value is yeah. incredible. The money they're making sure. off those digital fans is, I think, a lot of what you're saying. It's uh. It's it's all good with being a major yeah, sports and, league, and, right? <laughs> and I and I think of all the major four sports because I've covered all of them. The TV, the difference between being at a football game and watching it at home, it's arguably better to be at home. It, it's the football experience at home has been so good for so long that they they've been preparing for. Hey, we need to make this experience better. I mean, even just fantasy becoming as big as it has, mm-hmm. that you people want to be at home watching Red Zone. I mean, that's a thing. That that is a large majority of my friends who are in the millennial bracket of football fans. They they want to sit down and they want to watch Red Zone, and and then they'll have another TV on that has the game on 
that they're a fan of, right? They've got that game, but they've, they've got the Colts game on and then they've got red zone on. Right. And that's, so there's, this has been happening for a while. And so I think that's, that's the other part of this is the NFL has been prepared for, Hey, we need to figure out a way to connect with our fans at home. And that's where obviously social media and the digital experience has become more critical than ever before. But I look to the, the time that they had from between the combine and the NFL draft where they had to facilitate. And listen, I, I give criticism to the NFL a lot, so I don't want to come off like I'm glowing about them. Okay. It's they, I, I give them criticism where criticism is due. And traditionally I'm more critical of them than they give them praise. But there are two things I'm going to give them praise for. One was putting together an amazing NFL draft Incredible. product with not a lot of time to prepare. That is an indicator to me that we are prepared to handle this and not only handle it, but be able to monetize it long-term because of the interest level and the viewership of a zoom version of the NFL draft. Mm. I mean, that is what we thought we were going to get, which was Vegas and lights and all this stuff. And then in a six week period of time, them putting together the product that we got wasn't, it was an incredible indicator that, that they they were prepared and could handle this and not only handle it, but monetize it and make sure that they could create revenue. And then the second part of this is there was a long period here where I was really worried about what was going to happen with COVID and, and how they were going to handle this because we weren't really hearing a lot about it. But what, what happened afterwards and what happened has happened now is I, I've had Lorenzo Alexander, who's um, a VP of the NFLPA, and he told us how much time was spent going back and forth and getting it to this point where they're testing every day and they have things at the facilities that no, that we don't even have access to, right? Because the NFL has a bunch of money and that's what happens. And they've, they have put their players in a really, really good position to, to be able to make this as safe as they possibly can. And they deserve praise for that because there was a lot of us that were really critical of them while we were sitting back waiting to hear about what was going on. And, and it's the draft and then that have been, really shockingly positive right and i i i honestly didn't think that either was going to work the way that they did and they did and so i think there those are also indicators to me the business is in a really really good place because they didn't have a lot of time to prepare for for the draft and it was an amazing product and then what they've done over the last you know six weeks to get the players in a comfortable position to play and and the, that, to me, puts the, the NFL in a really good spot. I agree. And uh, I had a couple of shows that kind of just basically surrounded, you know, and dove into those new protocols. Boy, mm-hmm. they, they did a nice job there, too. I got to give them credit there, too. I, I'm with you. You know, I'll, I'll kill them 50 percent of the time and, uh, you know, I'll be on their side <laughs> the other half. But uh, you're right. They've handled it pretty well here. And, and I'm rooting for this season, obviously, for a lot of reasons. But. Uh, also because they've put in the work in terms of the front offices to get this thing where we, to where we are right now, and it's time for the players to reap those benefits. As, as I mentioned, we've had plenty of extensions. We've also had, you know, a pretty exciting draft. I thought it was a pretty nice draft, you know, crop of players. I, I guess that's question number one. You, you, <laughs> you live and breathe this stuff. How is this rookie class, and how much of an impact will they make, I guess, in this unique season as well, right? Oh, this rookie class is amazing, man. I'm so excited to watch these guys um, with the quarterbacks that we have that are going to play, you know, early on. We obviously know we're going to get Joe Burrow right off the top. 
uh, how long they wait in LA for Justin Herbert to be determined and how long they hold out in Miami. I think probably the longest because of the injury stuff with Tua. Um, but we've got, we've got those guys on top of some phenomenal rookie running backs that are going to play a huge part early on some amazing wide receiver talent. I mean, what a year this, this last draft was so exciting for all the skill positions that went early on and all, and all the excitement and the rookies that are going to play a part here right away. I think I'm, I'm so excited to see how some of this stuff pans out. Um, I'm excited to see some of the, some of the defensive players as a girl who grew up in Chicago and loves watching defense. I'm, I'm excited to watch Chase Young in that defense with Ron Rivera as a head coach. I think that's going to be, um, you know, the, the money is on him to win defensive rookie of the year. I think that's a safe bet. Um, there's, there's so, there's so much, uh, as a Homer here, I'll be the Homer on the podcast. I'm excited to watch, uh, Jalen Johnson in, in Chicago play a huge part for that defense because of some injuries that have happened there already. Uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of guys who I think are going to, are going to step up and play right away. And, and that's pretty pretty crazy because they haven't had a lot of time to get adjusted to the NFL game. And that is going to impact this, this rookie class significantly. I think more, more so um, you got to watch Joe Burrow, right? He's had what six weeks less than to get prepared for this NFL season with, and like what 11 or 12 padded practices. I mean, it's, it's not a whole lot to get him to get himself ready to go. He's saying all the right things. Um, but what are we going to see when, when the lights go on? I think that's, that's probably my number one, uh, thing I'm interested in on, on top of the couple of defensive players that I mentioned. Yeah. Let's get, let's talk some betting a little bit here because you mentioned Chase Young. I think that's pretty much a lock, but I wouldn't make the offensive rookie of the year. I know Joe Burrow's got obviously the betting favorite odds here, but some of these running backs have to be part of this conversation. I don't know if you've dove into those odds at all, but where do you stand on that? Is, is, is there a sleeper you can throw out there for our audience here? So very interesting enough on the, on our podcast, on the TDM fantasy podcast, we talked about and previewed this and did this exact conversation just a couple of days ago. So I'm, um, I'm well versed in this um, and, and exactly what we, what we kind of talked about, but the, the funny thing about, expecting that it was going to be Joe Burrow, right? I go in and I'm going, okay, Joe mm-hmm. Burrow's got to be the odds on favorite. And at the time on Wednesday, when we were doing this, when we were doing our podcast earlier on, it was actually, and still is, I'm pulling up the odds right in front of me. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is actually the odds on favorite to win offensive rookie of the year, followed right behind by Joe Burrow. Uh, then Jonathan Taylor to uh, Cam Akers, CeeDee Lamb. I-, I think that's, that's pretty insane to see a running back. Um, All right. Talk, that, talk this out with me, Paige. Talk this out with me yes, because I, yes. I love the player. I've got him in three leagues this year. I love the player. But yes. talk, me to the, talk me to the world where he wins MVP on that, on that team alone. I, so here's, here's where I crush everyone's dreams, right? I think everybody is expecting that he is going to be Kareem Hunt rookie season, okay. right? Everyone okay. is expecting that. Um, and I, I think that's pretty unrealistic seeing as this has been a pretty abridged off season. I, I, I'm excited for him, but his hype train is so <laughs> off the rails that I am like, I always tell people in fantasy, I'm all about drafting for value. Right. And there's absolutely no value with Clyde Edwards, none, zero, because he's, he is being overdrafted 
or or his ADP is is just just too uncomfortable for me at that position. And I think he's he's going to be excellent. I'm very excited about him. But the way he's being drafted, I have seen people in NFL media talking about taking him over Christian McCaffrey and I'm like throwing bricks <laughs> at the wall going, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Like we haven't seen this dude play one snap in the NFL and you're telling me he's going to be better than Christian McCaffrey. I mean, let's just calm down a little bit. And I think, uh, like I said, I'm excited for him. There's, there's a lot to like about him, but I think for everybody, everybody needs to take a collective deep breath on all this. And I, as, as somebody who's looking at these odds and I'm seeing that Joe Burrow, who plays the quarterback position, is not the favorite to win rookie <laughs> of the year offensively. I'm telling you, that's a good bet. If you can get Joe Burrow and he, as an underdog to win offensive rookie of the year, wherever you bet, um, I'm looking at the bet online odds right now. Yeah. Go, go ahead. I think that's that is a. I, I went into the conversation the other day on the podcast thinking it has to be Joe Burrow, and I get on and I was like, Wow. Okay. The hype train has lost its damn mind and I'm, I get it. I understand there's a lot of excitement, but as you said, uh, you were asking the question, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. There's a lot of people that are, are going to get the ball. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of, a lot of talent on that roster. That's, that's going to take away from him being, uh, the star very early on. And I think, uh, Joe Burrow has, has an opportunity to do that because of the position that he plays. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, you know, you're going to pick a quarterback nine times out of ten, in my opinion, but I, I find a much easier path to Jonathan Taylor. A much easier. I now, I understand Marlon Mack. He's probably going to take away some of those, you know, the first six weeks of, of his carries, but I, look, Phillip Rivers could just fall off a wall here, right? <laughs> and, and that entire sure. offense might have to run through Jonathan Taylor at some point, maybe for half of the season. To, to me, he's the one who can come out. You know, I'd say the same thing about DeAndre Swift, but but he's got an, an, a knock, a, you know, a knee knock here early. So, uh, to me, that's that's the value bet is take a running back that you think might become the entire, you know, might become Derrick Henry and and carry an entire offense for most of the season and, and put your money on that. But you're right, if Joe Burrow is an underdog, throw your money at that as well. My goodness, that is that is yeah. interesting. Yeah, Joe Joe Burrow, and I like your Jonathan Taylor coming in right behind him. Uh, maybe it's because I. I watched him work out with Exos. Uh, he came in after I was meeting with a buddy that works at Exos and, and Jonathan Taylor comes in after he's finished his workouts to continue to run on the curve and do his workouts. And I'm watching this dude and I'm going, my God, yeah, that's a man nature. It's just <laughs> a, such a grown man. I good luck trying to tackle that dude. My God. And I know he was running behind some big dogs at the university of Wisconsin. Right. But have you seen that Colts offensive line? Right. Uh, it's a pre pretty damn good offensive line. He's going to be running behind. So I think that's, that's where if he got drafted to a situation where uh, he wasn't going to be running behind an offensive line that I had a lot of faith in, I might think differently, but him as a, a he is so, pro ready because of what he's been able to do and the consistency and the amount of reps and, and what is very, very smart kid. I think he's going to take over really early on and as much as I like Mar as much as I like Marlon Mack. And I think he'll play a piece um, to this offense, which will piss off fantasy owners who have Jonathan Taylor. Right. But that's as again, I have to remind you NFL teams do not care about your fantasy team. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a, a, a stud. And I think that's a, that's a, if you want to throw a sleeper out there to, to $10 and, and try and make a little cash, uh, I'd put it on him for offensive rookie of the year. 
All right, I'll get you here out of here on this. Don't think I didn't hear you say it, and I've seen it on Twitter plenty. You are a Bears apologist. Uh, it's one of the bigger storylines. <laughs> yeah, look at I killed him. I killed him when they traded for Nick Foles. I killed him when they restructured his contract. You know, in terms of the neck of the woods I live in, there's a lot of reasons to be down on the Bears. Um, so you tell me why I shouldn't be. I'll make it easy on you. David Montgomery's hurt. Allen Robinson wants to get paid. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, so here's my thing. Um, <laughs> remember, one, remember, you're a positive person. One, I was not happy about the Nick Foles okay. signing when it happened. Um, I, I I envisioned that this would happen exactly like it did, right? Which, um, Mitch, to me, as many of the lumps and bad moments that we've had, I still think he's the better quarterback for the job. Um, I have from the very beginning. Um, and I, there were very few situations that I wanted to happen um, as far as free agents out there. One of them was I was really excited about the Bears going after a guy like Andy Dalton um, mm-hmm. versus Nick Foles because of the contract and, and honestly just the player um, and, and what I think he could have done in that offense. But as far as the Bears go, I think, one, the division is like to me is – the bottom team is seven and nine and the top team is nine and seven. Like I just, the NFC North to me is so even and very blah. Um, The Vikings do not get the love there at all. They've had so many injuries that whole defense has turned over and I'm tired of hearing about Kirk cousins. He hasn't beat the bears once in two years. Okay. Four and (laughs) oh, right. Tired of hearing about it. Don't want to hear about how the, I'm like, please show me a victory. Hasn't happened. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers but the rest of that roster is met and who the hell do they have on that team besides Devonte Adams and Aaron Jones and Devonte's coming off a uh, injured year. And if he goes down, I don't know what that offense is doing. Uh, the lions are the lions. They have Stafford and a whole lot of, you know, and, and to me, the bears have a legit defense. The, they always will. And they have, they still have Tariq Cohen. I know David Montgomery is injured. But I just don't think they're going to have to do a whole lot. And Mitch was horrendous last year, and they still went 8-8, eight and eight, right? And if Eddie Pinero hits a kick or two, they're 10-6. and six. And I think that's, to me, I go, okay, well, it can't get much worse than the first half of last year offensively, and they still went 8-8. Eight and eight. So if Eddie makes a kick or two, we're 9-7, and seven, and they can win the division. They could also end up being 7-9. and nine. I just – there, every team in that division to me, Mike, is like meh. I just, I don't believe in, I don't think any team in that division is a Super Bowl contender. And I just think they're, they're going to end up, somebody's going to win the division at nine and seven, and it's going to be just to end up, you know, losing in the postseason. I just don't have a lot of faith in, in, in any of those teams. And as much as I will be a homer for my team, I love them, but they're not a Super Bowl contender. Uh, that's just, they, they aren't. And uh, I will be, Pleasantly surprised to be wrong, Mike, but I don't think that I will be. Okay, I can accept all that. I, I'm on board with all that. I actually think that's pretty spot on in terms of a, a divisional analysis. Here, here's just where I have to leave you with. You know this. This is not news, but you know, n- knowing what we know now that Mitch is going to start, which I was with you, that was always going to be the case. So you, what you're doing is you're bringing in a veteran quarterback to what? Fuel the fire? Is that what this was? To fuel the fire under the number two draft pick? Uh, you know, you gave a fourth round pick and 21 million guaranteed to do that when you shouldn't have to do that. So that's number one. And number two yep. is you gave 9 million guaranteed to Jimmy Graham 
and, and I just can't get there. I can't oh, get there. Even if he has a no. season, I can't get there. You did it right away, at, like you were bidding against other people. Yeah, I, that that's to me that's that's a major flaw, major major flaw. Mike, Mike, there are very few things in the world, and this is I'm a passionate I'm a passionate sports fan, but I'm also a, a Greek. Okay, and <laughs> if you know if anybody that's listening to this podcast knows anything about Greek people. We got a lot of emotions, okay? We're very talking with your hands, yeah. Yeah, we talk with our hands a lot. If you ever seen any video I'm in, I'm always talking with my hands, okay? Well, the second that they signed Jimmy Graham, there was a broken remote control in my house. Here, sure. Okay. And that is not an exaggeration because I saw that and went to myself and listen, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. You just, buddy, you haven't been the same player since you left New Orleans. And I don't understand what rose colored glasses the Green Bay Packers were looking at when they signed him and what the hell the Chicago Bears were looking at when they signed him. It's like you guys are watching old tape from five years ago going, yeah, he could be that player. No, he hasn't been that player. He wasn't that player with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. So how the hell is he going to be that guy with Mitchell Trubisky? I, I just, there is so much there that is stupid. That is the dumbest thing that happened this offseason. And I know that the Foles thing, and there's a lot to unpack there, but I was furious when they signed Jimmy Graham. So I... Listen, as I said, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, Jimmy, and God bless. If you go out there and shut me up, me I'll too. be the happiest Bears fan. Me alive. too. I please, hope he does it. I hope he does too. it. Because I've been killing I've been killing that move for six months and I'm sick of my hearing myself do it. Um, <laughs> listen, take a breath and tell us everything about the draft network. Where can we find you? Where can we find them? Uh, your premium subscription, this new draft machine. Give us the give us the works here. Yes. So you can find everything. Go to the website, thedraftnetwork.com. You can find my podcast by searching TDN Fantasy, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all the good stuff. Um, and everything that we're doing is, you know, this week is an excellent week for us. We kicked off with um, a head of NFL kickoff on Thursday. We kicked off some things in our mock draft machine. So if you are a premium member, you not only have access to trades, but you have access to future picks in those trades. We've got a computer to user trade. So if you're inside the experience, you might hear a phone ring that sounds like a landline and it's a GM giving you a head call, giving you a phone call to try and negotiate a little deal. And that's been a hell of a lot of fun to watch our users um, get that experience. And we've got some awesome stuff coming down the line. So if you want to become a premium member, you just go to the draftnetwork.com and hit the premium tab. And that's where you can find everything. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys NFL kickoff because I know we're, we're just excited to be here. And your Super Bowl teams are? Ooh, good question. My Super Bowl team teams are the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A sleeper Super Bowl team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, you're taking the words out of my mouth. I like it. Yeah. Paige, good stuff. This Thanks so much for doing this. Congratulations on the success over there. Everybody follow her on Twitter and all the uh, all the socials. It's been a nice, uh, a nice little engagement you got going there. W what a nice draft machine, by the way. Get in there if you are, if you care at all, <laughs> and especially this year when you're going to need to care because everybody's going to have to learn this stuff on the fly. Get in there and use that draft machine, Paige. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks, Mike. All right, my thanks to Scott Allen, to Paige Demakos, and the Draft Network. Visit thedraftnetwork.com. To the Athletic, boy, one million subscribers on the Athletic, guys. Get there. TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrack gets you a great price for the entire first year. My thanks to Dynasty Owner. Still under a couple of hours left to get your fantasy league going here. Coming down to the wire. And, of course, the Hip Parade. Visit DACardWorld.com. 
Get yourself a mystery memorabilia box for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. Thank you.